0: Hey, it's Paige Hamilton from Helmet. You're listening to Thunder Underground.
1: Welcome to episode 298 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here as always. And this week, we've got a great one. Say that sometimes, but this time it's truly true. Because Paige Hamilton is here for almost an hour of talk about Helmet and a lot of other stuff. Exactly, And that's uh, definitely someone that I know... I've wanted to have on this podcast since we started it. It was one of those kind of when we started this podcast Far-fetched Dreams and now here we are almost 300 episodes later. Um, making it happen. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know
2: I I don't know the inner workings of how you get all these guys. I mean, I kind of do. But for me, it was kind of out of the blue because I think it was just kind of a last minute Well, what... Because it's like I kind of knew what we had coming down, and then all of a sudden I got a text. (laughs) Guess what? (laughs) Like, what? Where did this come from? I didn't know you were working on
1: this. Yeah, well, I got (laughs) to give a shout out here to Michael Thrasher. Right. Our good buddy Michael Thrasher. Helmet has been one of his favorite bands since we were young. For sure. And about a month ago, or, well, we recorded this about a month ago, so probably Mm. about a month and a half ago, me and him were... Working an event, we're driving, he's like, why haven't you ever had Paige Hamilton on your podcast? And I said, well, believe it or not, a couple years ago, whenever Helmet and Prong were on tour. Right. They came through Tulsa, and I sent in a request for both Tommy Victor and Paige Hamilton. Right. We got the Tommy Victor interview, but then Paige Hamilton's PR replied, and you know they were really cool and said, you know, unfortunately, that's a long drive that day from San Antonio. I don't think they'll make it in time. You know, but they gave us photo passes and everything. They were like pretty accommodating. They said, just hit us up in the future. And so I just hit him back up in the future. It's been, but it's been a year and a half since then, or no, two and a half years. A couple years later, but we got it. And the the cool thing about it is, had we done it that day, it would have been a 20 minute interview, 20, 30 minutes at, at that. And, you know, here we got to talk to him on Skype. So we got nearly an hour. An hour. Yeah. And, and, and,
2: you know, he was on
1: the Van Halen deal. Right. So, I mean, it it really works out. But, yeah, all this with Paige Hamilton coming up, and we're going to talk about a new band on the scene called ACDC. Right, yeah. they got their debut album coming out. They're really turning heads, I hear. Yeah. Yeah, you know, these days, that doesn't happen as much anymore. You don't get a lot of buzz on, like, one new band, but here it's happening with this one. Exactly. So we're going to talk about that. But first, we need to let you know, as always, we're sponsored by a few places, one of them being Hell Hot Hot Sauce. It's a hot sauce company based out of the San Francisco Bay Area. They do small batch artisan hot sauces, and you can see their selection on their website, hellahothotsauce.com. You can also follow them on their socials. Facebook and Instagram are both at Hella hot hot Sauce. They do collaborations. They've got one with Ghoul called Brain Jerk, and they've got one with Florida Frank from Hate Breed called Florida Frank's Florida Heat. We've got some of that. It's great tasting, but it'll clean your insides out. You no get, kidding. If you get a little too much of it,
2: yeah. If you're constipated, you don't need to go. You don't need to go to the store and get any any kind of medicine. Just get some of Florida <laughs> Frank's Florida Heat,
1: and we don't uh, mean that negatively. No, no. This is good. I mean, it's great flavor. Clean you the hell out. Yeah, absolutely. So check, in the best way. Yeah. So check all those out at hellahothotsauce.com, and of course. Tell them Thunder Underground since If you're on the West Coast, by the way, you can pick them up in stores, so do that. Medfarm is a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51. You can see their entire selection of products at leafly.com. Check out their website, medfarmok.com, and their socials. Medfarmok okay on Instagram and Medfarm on Facebook. That's P-H-A-R-M. They're always running specials on there. They also have an ongoing special, which is if you mention Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order. So a huge thank you to them for that. And they've got a drive-through, so if you call ahead or text ahead, you can fly right up there and get your product and get get on your way. The most important thing is that nearly a third of their profits, 30% of it, is going to build no-kill animal shelters, which is a massive thing that not just any dispensary, most any business. Doesn't do stuff like that. So they're giving away nearly a third of what they're making to an amazing cause. So wherever you're at in the Tulsa area, get over to Med Farm and mention Thunder Underground. Sunset Tattoo. Tattoo shop located in right in the heart of Midtown Tulsa. Their tattoos are done good and proper. They're state licensed. They are mother approved. Jake and his crew have over 25 years of experience. They do a ton of great work. If you don't believe my words... Get on their Facebook or their Instagram, at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, and then you can see pictures to get proof that way. Both of us know people that have had work by Jake done. We know that it's done, like you said, good and proper, and it looks good. So get over there, give them a shout, have a consultation to talk about what work you need to get done, and tell them Thunder Underground sent you Finally, DEB Concerts is a promoter based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Keeps bringing some great acts to the downtown Tulsa area like the Ideal Ballroom, the BOK Center. And they also book the Roadhouse Stage every year at Rocklahoma. Oklahoma. Coming up here on December 12th, Lita Ford will return to the Ideal Ballroom. But this will be a socially distanced acoustic show, which is something different from Lita. So very cool. She'll be playing acoustically with Patrick Kennison. And Palandria will also be playing Acoustic Open in that show. And Eddie Trunk will be hosting that show. So we got a lot of names there. If you're in the Oklahoma area, get over there on December 12th to check that one out. And coming up in a few months, recently announced, April 10th, Downtown Tulsa in the streets in front of Ideal Ballroom. Queensryche, Lita Ford, Nita Strauss, and the reunited all-original members of the Bullet Boys. Very, very, very cool lineup right there, I think. What do you think? Uh, that's going to be a good one. Yeah. Uh, Queensryche with Todd LaToria is amazing, by the way. Yes, they're great. And really looking forward to seeing Nita Strauss solo. There's another one for you guys to check out. DEBConcerts.com is where all the ticket info's at. You can also be kept up to date on any future announcements and any reschedules of any of the postponed stuff. And, of course, we'll keep you up to date. Right here on our podcast as well. So huge thank you to DEB Concerts. All right. Like we mentioned a few minutes ago, ACDC has a brand new album out. First new album in six years. Yeah, yes. Rocker Bust came out in 2014. So this was, well, slightly longer than... Because last time, I guess, from Black Ice to Rocker Bust was five years. And this probably would have been five years if it wasn't for the pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah. It would (laughs) have been, yeah, definitely. But anyway, so this album reportedly was done, was it almost two years ago or like within the past two years or something? And they've been sitting on it. And, you know, because there was a lot of rumors and stuff floating around that were never confirmed by ACDC because they don't confirm shit because they're ACDC and they don't have to. Yeah, right. But there were pictures of Brian and Phil. In Vancouver with the other guys, so everybody knew something was happening. Yeah, back, back, back in the band, yeah. Or as a pun would be to say, they're back in black, right? Right, right. (laughs) Well, this album came out this past week, actually, this past Friday. Friday the 13th. I didn't look at what number it was. Do you know off the top of your head? No, huh? No. (laughs) Doesn't matter. ACDC has a ton of albums with Brian Johnson and a ton with Bon Scott. And for the most part, they're all excellent. I mean, like every band, there's a few that you might skip through, but I can guarantee you, you won't skip through this motherfucker. hmm Oh, yeah. And another thing to point out, we're talking about ACDC on this episode with Paige Hamilton of Helmet, and Paige Hamilton has stated before that ACDC is his favorite band. So there you go. So this- And I
2: get that in a way.
1: All ties together perfectly. Right. Yeah. I know Florida Frank, who we mentioned earlier- With Florida Franks, Florida Heat. He's been on this podcast, and I know he's a massive fan of ACDC as well. But, hell, if you love rock music and you're not a fan of ACDC... Then fuck you. I fear there's a problem with you. Yeah, yeah, there is. (laughs) Just right off the bat, we heard Shot in the Dark, and then we heard Realize leading up to the album. Both those songs are excellent. We have already talked about both those. Yeah. And we were both talked about how we were pumped, more pumped for this album, based off of those two tracks than we have been... Maybe right. before Black Ice or Rocker Bus came out. Yeah. And I'm just going to make a statement. Take this for what you will. Like I said, when we were talking a little bit earlier before we recorded this, it could just be me in the moment of enjoying this new album from ACDC. Exactly. But yeah. I think this is their best album since the Razor's Edge in 1990. Well. 30 years <laughs> later. I know Ball Breaker had great stuff. Black Ice had great stuff. But this, to me... From start to finish, all twelve tracks.
2: Yeah, no,
1: all killer, I mean, no I, filler. I get that, and and really, I
2: mean, I get it. And you're right. I I love. It's just like we said, like we talked earlier. I love Black Ice. I fucking love that record. Only thing that that lacks that Power Up makes up for is the streamlined of it, the streamlined vibe of it. You know, I think Black Ice is like fucking. 15 fucking songs or some shit. And this is, this, this one's just more to the point. But I mean, Black Ice is great. But so I kind of see how this could probably be the best record since, yeah, the Razor's Edge. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, I don't know where does, Uh, and then, you know, you talk about a ball breaker with stiff upper lip after ball breaker.
1: Yeah. Because okay. was the first album after Razor's Edge, that's right, ninety-five and Stiff Upper Lip wasn't bad either, right? Well, none of them
2: are bad. See, that's the thing. But no, this is this is a great fucking record, and it's just more focused for me. I love Rejection. Yeah, um, I love Demon Fire. Uh, those are standouts to me. And then of course, through the mists of time, you know that's kind of the your kind of stormy May Day of Power Up. It's the one that's a little different, but still ACDC, but that fucking song rules too. So it's like, it's, it's insane because you want to, you know, you want to talk about all this shit coming out and you want to fucking, you want to have a slant, you know, you want to have your point and your angle, but fuck man, it's, it's hard with ACDC because it just never wavers. It never weakens. Yeah. And it never, you run out of adjectives. Because it doesn't matter if it's 1974 or 2020, ACDC is always solid and they're always everything you think they are. And they're always everything that you describe them as. Right. So that's,
1: and like, I mean, I think we kind of mentioned on the last one is they always don't sound dated, even right. though their sound is dated technically. They don't sound that. They still like this music to me just mm-hmm. sounds as important as it did 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Right. And, and,
2: and it's like any, anybody else could sound, it, another band could do this, the sound. If I be like, yeah, fuck you. Right. ACDC could do this. and It's like, fuck yeah. Right. You know, not fuck you, fuck yeah. So <laughs> it, it's just one of the, you know, the, that's the rare, the rare air. Sorry to sound stupid, but that's kind of what they, that's the space that they, they fill and they possess. Yeah. Uh, and it's, <laughs> It, you don't see it very often, no. So it's it's great when it happens,
1: right? To me, my two favorite tracks on this album are "Kick You When You're Down" and "Through the Mist of Time." Okay, and I could talk about "Through the Mist of Time" for ten minutes, probably.
2: Well, I gotta. But I woke up this morning. Was it this morning or no? I think it was. Saturday. I woke up yesterday morning, and I had a text from you that was all it said was "Through the Mist of Time, motherfucker," <laughs> and Red. I'm like, well.
1: Trench drinking again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this song, at its core, sounds like an 80s pop song. Yeah. With ACDC sprinkled on top of it. Right. And it's freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. It's like so many bands like ACDC, I mean, there's not bands like ACDC, but so many like hard rock bands from years past could put out a song like this and probably 75, 85% of them are going to sound like a dumb fuck. It, yeah. But ACDC puts it out and it just sounds freaking amazing to mm-hmm. me. I just can't explain it. It's just like, it's the least ACDC song on the album, but it could be my favorite one. And maybe that's right. going to say something about like, we're always like, Well, oh, you know what you're going to get. But then you, you get something that's a little different, like you said, about Stormy May Day or whatever. But like, mm-hmm. just to me, that pop feel of it just was really, really cool. And then, but most of the tracks on here just have that tried and true ACDC double guitar stomp and yeah. that amazing rhythm section, and then Brian Johnson doing his unmistakable vocals on top of it, and that's what exactly. you get throughout this thing. And yeah. "Witches Spell" is another amazing song. Yeah, I actually posted this on our Facebook and said, "What's your favorite track?" And I know we had responses. Someone said "Shot in the Dark." Someone said. Which is Spell, someone said Demon Fire, someone said Code Red. I remember, like, so, I mean, it's kind of like we said, this album from start to finish, you're not going to find a song you don't like if you like ACDC. Across the board. Yeah. And that's why they're one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time. Definitely. With that being said, if you haven't heard Power Up yet, pull your head out your ass and listen to the Power Up right now. Oh, not right now, in about about an hour from now. Right. (laughs) Listen to us first, okay? Yeah. Listen to us and Paige Hamilton here in just a bit. But speaking of that, Paige Hamilton of Helmet was our guest here on this on this episode, and we got to talk to him, man, about what all did we talk about? We talked about Helmet. I believe we talked about ACDC, because right. I think we'd even mentioned Shot in the Dark, and mm-hmm. it had just came out. Right. And he said he hadn't heard it yet, so hopefully by now he's got this full album checked Definitely. out. Talked about Van Halen. Talked about his guitar lessons, jazz. That's the thing about Paige Hamilton. This guy is a musician's musician. You know, he does things that a lot of guys can't do, and he does them all well. And Helmet, you know, keeps putting out great music. Their album that came out 2016, okay, Dead to the World is a great album as well. But if you're listening to this because you love Helmet, you know that. Mm -hmm. So, let's quit rambling and just let Paige Hamilton do some rambling. Here's Paige Hamilton of Helmet. Well, the first thing... I kind of wanted to jump into as I saw a while back that you're doing guitar lessons now via Skype. Is that something that you like accept all levels, or is it mainly like a for people that are already established? Or how how does that work?
0: Um, I have a nine year old who's a was a total beginner. I have an eleven year old who is going to be a great shredder, and I have dudes that are helmet fans and have, have bruises and bumps and scars from pits. Um, and they're like, you know, married with kids. And so all, all, all comers, all levels. It's really, um, it's really fun. I mean, I've been asked for years to do lessons and I haven't really done it since, um, college, you know, and since I lived in New York when I taught at this school in Chinatown for a, a, a little while. And, um, it's kind of forced me to step back and and um, and look at look at the guitar in a different way. How do you communicate this? How do I get someone to understand this? You know what I mean? In, in fact, my um w- uh, one of my students is my nephew, and he he's a uh, got acoustic. He likes to strum along and play songs and stuff. And um, he said, "Do you think I should use a thumb pick?" Because he's just using his fingers, and he's got kind of he's, he's like, "I have these fleshy, fatty fingers, and they don't really seem to work." And I said, "Yeah, let's get a thumb pick." So. I had to bust out a thumb pick, and kind of get on YouTube and go like, "Yeah, how do you do this again?" And uh, <laughs> and it's like it's it's like I don't know tying your fingers together or something. And it was sort of it's forcing me to uh, to kind of explore other other things. So I'm like listen, watching all these Tommy Emanuel and uh, uh, you know Jerry Reed uh, videos and stuff. It's really it's really cool.
1: So I mean that's something that even though you're getting Paid to help someone else in a way that's helping you.
0: Yeah, I mean it's weird. I'm also I'm also doing um, uh, a songwriting class with School of Rock. I had done uh, an interview with the Baldwin St. Louis School, and they said, "Hey, would you be into doing one for the national?" And NS- uh, I said, "Of course." Um, and they said, "Yeah, we're getting all these people asking about you know uh, about you. What you, would you be into doing a class?" And um, I said, "Yeah, I'm home." <laughs> um, yeah, have plenty of time on my hands. Um, and you know, I have like I'm d- juggling like 12 things right now, but they're all you know, they're all like a, 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 a I don't know, I might spend a, a day on a song for a band in Australia or um, doing some recording and writing with Thomas Lang for a, um, his music school, Nine Beats, that's opening up uh, whenever COVID um passes. Um, and it's it's good. I mean, I, I could. I could, I guess, sit on my rear and just keep practicing guitar and writing and stuff. But um, there's something about having a little, um, a little bit of a schedule for me, for some reason, really helps um, get me kind of motivated. So it's like, I know if I have a lesson, you know, three lessons from twelve to five, then I can take a break and then then do some of my own work after that, you know. And it's uh, for you know, unfortunately, the when you have a band, you kind of have this built-in Work um, workload, you know, like okay, we're gonna do this tour coming up, so we need to rehearse, and or I'm gonna do an album, so I need to write, or you know, whatever, whatever it is. And for you know, as I've got, as I've gotten older, I'm, not, I'm um, less bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about getting up and practicing for you know, twelve hours. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I, I could drink beer and watch baseball, and then take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is uh, kind of pitiful but you know
2: hey that that works for me <laughs>
0: yeah you know, yeah there's a you know there's a balance i yeah. mean it's I, I feel like i've you know obviously it's 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 just a strange time we had such a great two years in helmet and then we had this incredibly busy year um lined up for 2020 um and uh it's uh, we're I just heard today that the shows from april may that we moved to november that we moved to july 2021 might be moved to the end of the year next year or the beginning of 2022 so wow. uh, it's uh it's a long time to be doing nothing and so it's kind of forced me to be creative and uh and, i mean the good news is that i you know obviously i went to School and got my degree in classical and jazz guitar, and then went kept going because I'm a nerd and got my master's in jazz, and so I have a lot of useless information bouncing around in my head, and it's um, and it's I, I actually love it. Howard Roberts, who was my mentor's mentor and kind of our grandmaster, who started uh, GIT, which is now MI, Musicians Institute, he uh, had that super chops program that I uh, sort of adapted to my in my instructional DVD. And um and to his like sonic shapes, those are Howard and Gary Hagberg ideas um, the things that I'm passing on to people and uh, it's fun, it's been really it's actually been really fun and it's I'm doing things like I have um, two dear uh, well a very dear friend back East who's uh, gives guitar lessons for a living and he and the guitar player in his band um, Liege Lord. Um, they love we get together do we do like geek outs on um, a house party and uh, and you know so it's he said look I learned that you can these three note diminished um, seventh chord arpeggios it's really cool and it's like oh wow so I started so I sent them a uh, you know a uh, was it a flat seven uh, flat five a flat seven sharp eleven whatever arpeggios that you can either play with uh, one three two four or one three one three one three one three one three all the way up the neck and, and it's it's making me sort of turn the instrument inside out and uh you know and i'm kind of teaching myself this t- finger picking stuff i mean i could finger pick you know half ass like most guitar players but really digging in a little bit and going like okay what the heck is merle travis doing here you know right <laughs> and, uh it's it's a whole not whole nother world of music and i'm and i'm really um i'm really loving it you know i miss the road don't get me wrong i can't wait to get back on the road but i decided um with the lessons is something that I could, I could do if there are students that want to continue. Um, you know, if we play six days a week and I have a, a day off, I, you know, I don't mind you know spending two hours in my hotel room and given a, a couple of lessons so they can keep learning and keep um, moving forward. So I don't want to abandon them, you know,
2: um, say like, okay, thanks a lot. You know, see ya. <laughs> yeah. Teaching guitar is one thing. when I mean, you, you talked about the songwriting workshops. I mean, Talk about you know, trying to show somebody that skill set of songwriting, and it seems like on one hand you would want to, like, be creative and just tell the person, do what you feel, but at the on the other hand you have to – there probably is a rule or two you have to follow. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, and and it, it could be my rules. It could be rules in general. It could be just uh, just hints and tips, and I think one thing I'm finding out um, because I, these, this class is kids uh, is um, – they you know they don't have confidence a lot of them and they're afraid to read their words they're afraid i said you know what i've been writing songs for a million and a half years i'm 60 years old and i still bring a song in and i'm nervous and i said don't feel don't feel alone you know tennessee williams after he'd written like you know these incredible plays still felt like he was a farce and nick cave talks about that like can i really write songs and so it's like so that's one one aspect of it and what i what i preach in my guitar lessons and and songwriting is if you don't do it, you're not going to get good at it. So if you're going to sit around and worry about it, and I have this friend of mine, and she's in Houston, and she's always talking about wants to do this, wants to do that, and then she's got an excuse for everything why she's not doing it. And I mean, I'm, in, I'm and, you know, want to say to her, the reason you suck is because all you do is talk about what you think you could do. You know, it's like if you fucking think you can do it, then do it. And yeah. Howard Rock. <laughs> Howard Roberts said, uh, you know, used to say he's like, if you want to learn, if you if you're going to learn how to wrestle alligators, you got to get in and wrestle the alligator. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Period. I had a, a conversation with a friend of mine last night who's uh, taking acting classes, and she she came to this revel, re, you know, revelation at the age of 36. I just have to do it, and I go, yeah, yeah. You can sit here and, and hum and haw and, and wonder why you you know why you're not getting your your due or whatever. And with with songwriting, having uh, having a little bit of having some habits. For example, you have a pen and a pad by your bed. You have a pen and a pad in your car. You have a pen and a pad next to the television set. Um, you commerce commercials, t- TV. I mean, I've gotten so much inspiration from TV commercials, from billboard. There was the billboard in Sacramento. I'm walking to get coffee after, uh, after a gig in you know, the next morning. And it was, I was, th- I think it was like, uh, uh sacram- oh, I was like, God damn it. Um, sacramento beauty has arrived or you know and it's like something i'm like wow that's that's awesome it was about this get your get your facial hair removed ladies and um these these you know and then if if i drive from california to oregon there's there are always a good three or four billboards that are you know telling us we're going to burn in hell and you got to find jesus and so those are always those are always interesting and exciting and I, I it's it's all you know i kind of try to impress upon them inspiration is in everything and it's it's how you look at it and where you where you look at it and um you can take a subject as as boring as waking up in the morning like john lennon did and say when i wake up early in the morning i lift my head i'm still yawning You know, and I'm in the middle of a dream. I stay in bed. I float upstream. And he wrote this amazing song about, you know, leave me alone, man. I'm only sleeping, you know, and it's and it's uh, you know, you it's 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 how you look at the world. And one thing that I also try to impress upon them is we are artists. We are we are really lucky. We're in this exclusive little club that we, we have this thing mu- this music thing that that is a is a universal language we don't have to speak we have played in 60 countries in the last 30 years you know at, at least and um, we don't have to speak a common, you know, um, language because we have music and music communicates on another level. And I think I, I, musicians tend to be, in my experience, musicians tend to be some of the smarter, more compassionate, more understanding, open minded people in, in, in the world because we have this thing that we love so much that that takes us out of our the boring physical existence of I woke up, I, I made coffee, I took a dump and I went to work,
2: you know, <laughs> and
0: people that want to post all day on Facebook and Instagram and all this stuff about like, look, I'm, Hey, I'm, you know, well, I'm eating a donut and listening to, you know, whatever thin Lizzie. I'm like, that's, is, I guess that's interesting. <laughs> I don't know. And like, you know, it's, it's, we have built in kind of excitement and a built in, uh, we have an, it's an intellectual, it's a spiritual, um, you know a uh, 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 exercise you know music is this thing we can't really describe it but we we always try and that's that's positive that's constructive cuz you're you're digging into yourself you're digging into this place that um you don't really understand you want to understand it you never will completely but then there's music analysis okay here i have my master's degree in jazz guitar but i've learned more from Wes montgomery who didn't read a note of music than any guitar player that ever lived you know and and it's it's so you go like what's he's seeing these connections these and you know also on the guitar fretboard it's so beautiful these these uh Kind of, I call them the sonic shapes from Howard and Gary, but it's they're almost like constellations, you know, stars. This, this way, these these notes are, are arranged. You see these these um these shapes, and and it's it's like I'm always discovering a new shape and a new way to connect th- these two notes or to get from this chord to that chord, and the, the possibilities are really endless. And uh, I, I love when people say, oh, like you know guitar is dead rock is dead you know and like wow it's like god that must be an awful feeling for you you know because <laughs> i've been playing i've been playing since i was 17 and i'm 60 and um every day i get up and i'm like whoa oh my god you know this is incredible like what i didn't you know why didn't i think of that 30 years ago or whatever you know and it's uh so it's uh i don't know COVID is also giving us all a lot of time a lot of times time to sit around and you know be inside and sort of uh, you know people are talking about have you been really con- you know productive and I'm like god you know really like mm, I, I don't think so I mean I could be a lot more productive but um you know you do what you can and there's also the kind of global um kind of stress that we all are experiencing and and uh, you know not you know your our our our, our livelihoods are threatened and um, you know, just our our way of life, everything that we knew. Um, and it sort of makes you, you know, sit back. If, if, if it doesn't, you're, you're sort of completely complete rude, but sit back and and count your blessings and go, you know, I can't take anything for granted. I got to keep working and doing what I love. And also, um, you know, also do do nice things for people, you know, and, and, uh, it's, it's, I think that I'm seeing, you were seeing a lot of selfishness too, you know, and and that's um, in Los Angeles anyway, people are driving like they own the road and that, uh, that, uh, you know, everybody else is just in the way, you know, because there's the roads are not as packed as they usually are. So someone's driving, you know, literally 90 miles an hour and passing you on all sides and um, weaving in and out. I had that happen to me several times. I went to pick up some guitars today um in my locker and, and it was just I, I fear for my life i'm
2: like oh my god man calm down <laughs> crazy oh. right yeah <laughs> playing to what you said earlier i i think in a pandemic or no pandemic it when it comes to rock i think there's always something new to discover there's always no matter how old a band is there's always something out there i haven't heard 100 percent. there's it's
0: it's always going to be that way i mean yeah there are very few people are going to come along like Jimi Hendrix and flip the entire world upside down in in, a, in a, you know in a life that spanned 27 years. Um, it's it's not a it's just not going to happen again. You know, um, uh, I mean Eddie Van Halen came along and look what he did. You know, and, and and like you can still look. I can still remember the first moment I heard that that I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you know, I because I wasn't familiar with finger tapping or any of that stuff and this this fluid kind of it's almost non-guitaristic it's so musical you know it's just like wow like this is this is just completely looking at the instrument a different way and um uh it's that's uncommon most of us we have we we get on the path and and you know get knocked off from time to time but um if you're a musician and that's your love then you get back up on the path and uh, so many of my friends. I think the thing with rock and people talk about that is so many of my friends that are that are rich and famous rock stars. They they got um, all, I think they got uh, enamored with all this, the trappings, and and that sort of they lost their lust or love for what got them into it in the first place. Unless they wanted to be rich and famous in the first place, that was never my. That's not what I you know got. Excited about when I heard black dog. I wasn't like I want to be rich and famous. You know, I was like, (laughs) I was like, holy shit Where does this take me? It takes me to this? Mysterious other world that I don't understand and I and I and I love it I love that out-of-body out-of-mind experience that that you know, I got when I was 15 when I first heard that, you know, and uh that is, that's never, there's no reason for that to ever go away. I, I, I it's, it's, uh, I feel bad for people that say that, they're, you know, I'm burned out. And that's part of also what I preach in my lessons in the songwriting is the way you don't burn out is you, get you, you, uh, uh there, the, these are some building blocks, you know, musical building blocks, you get a foundation. So it's not just taking licks off, you know, Sabbath records or whatever. That's a great thing to do. But if you know how, chords are constructed. I'm I'm just writing them out of C scale and go, here are triads, here are seventh chords, and we can extend these up, you know, further, but but start there. And um, here's how the fretboard connects with this particular pattern. This is called an A minor C major pentatonic, and you have five positions. These fingerings are suggestions. The more you play, the more you're going to discover fingerings that work for you. And sometimes, and you know, there's here's three ways to play an open position a chord you know well if i'm going to play a highway to hell i'm going to play a bar you know if i'm going to play uh, bowie strum along i'm going to play it like bowie played it he played it with three fingers and then he moved it up a whole step and played a b chord you know like that with the root on the you know fifth string um second fret you know and that's the you know i, I asked him about it and i'm like that's that's kind of like a weird way to play that. And he's like, oh, I'm an old folky, you know. He was an old folk strummy guy, you know, and, and that was one of his many disciplines. But um, you know, it's it's it to me. If you have these building blocks, and you realize that there there are no there's no quick fix, easy answer. I see. I get since I've been teaching, I've just scour the internet and get on these YouTube things, and I watch different teachers. And there's so many uh, teachers out there giving lessons. Some are great. Some are just awful. And these ones that say. You don't need to, um, you know, I, I'm just going to teach you this five note pattern and you're going to be able to improvise. It's like, well, this five note pattern is part of an a, a, you know, a minor pentatonic scale. Why not just learn the fucking A minor pentatonic scale and know where it comes from? You know, is it too much? So to, that's it's five notes also, you know, you just can play it in, you know, a couple of octaves in, in one position without even moving your hand or the guitar. You know, it's not really that complicated and you know and you can you know you can expand that for the rest of your life then you hear mike stern and he's he's playing you know the minor pentatonic you know but sliding up uh, you know on the flat five uh, and playing the minor pentatonic a half step up leaving the key coming back to the key and you're like whoa okay it's the same minor pentatonic skill that clapton used in well my guitar gently weeps angus used in uh i would i would hell Jimmy used, you know, obviously with the F natural for the F chord and Stairway to Heaven solo. Uh, Joe Walsh used in Funk 49. Um, What's the other? Tom Petty Breakdown is uh, that. uh, C major pentatonic. My Girl, uh, you know, same exact, you know. No, it's, this is an incredibly useful, useful bit of information, people. You know, I, why not? Why not learn it? Because it's gonna. You're, I guarantee you're gonna get some use out of it. And I was like, we did uh, when I did the Brit Guitar Festival thing a couple of years ago. They wanted to do while my guitar gently weeps, so I learned it and I started, uh, and I was doing a clinic, a couple of clinics for him, and I and I, I started uncovering all these. I was like A minor pentatonic. Here we go. Wow, like. So many classic masterpieces have been written using that uh, that very scale and in, in that very position, no less. You know, and uh, so it's it's uh, yeah. I, I you know, of course, if that's all you do and you just learn those licks off those records and you don't know what else to do with it, maybe you'll burn out. But um, I don't know. I feel like there's there's a, a mountain of information, and I feel more like Miles Davis, you know, who, who said. God, I wake up and I still there's still have something new I wanna I, I I thought about and how am I gonna do this, you know, up until the day he died and that's how I feel, you know.
1: Well kind of shifting the helmet for a minute. It's been a few years since Dead to the World came out, and I thought that was a great album and the tour with cool. Prong was great, you got to catch that. So like looking back on that album now and kind of era, like how do you feel it fits in Helmet's legacy?
0: Um, love playing with songs live, man. Um and that's sort of a, a um, me an indication of, of of whether the songs worked or not. Um, if they because I've 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 noticed over all these years if I'm playing something we, we played things that were pre strap it on um, on the on the thirty by thirty by thirty tour, uh, which uh, in, in included a song called Taken. So if, that's that uh, Taken in your head, which your head was the original B side to Unsung seven inch on AMRAP, Um so those are early, very early songs, and then to play something off the last album and have them all um, work together, yet k- keep this set flowing forward without feeling, uh, you know, uh, without being redundant, you know, because um, you can rewrite your old songs, or you can, you know, to take what you what you've learned over writing those songs and expand uh, expand your your, your um horizons a little bit and that means i've lived a little bit more life since then so i wrote this song i've learned a little more guitar since then so that that influenced this song but i i love the helmet format i love the drop tune um and 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 a four-piece band you know i now have four guys that sing instead of just one so i will take advantage of that which is fun and uh um I, lo- I love playing the album it's really it's it's fun though and, and i've wanted to do an album for a couple of years a new album but the uh, we're, we're sort of at the mercy of the record label and i talked to my manager look hey can we go to another label they're not stepping up and I, labels are having a hard time figuring out how they make money off of album sales and i, I i'm sympathetic i understand that but i have a deal with them and i'm supposed to do. so what we're doing is right now is i also have a live album uh, we have a live album on the deal so we're going to release uh excuse me, a CBGB's show from 90 and a, uh, big day out show from, I think 92, something like that. The first time we played Australia, uh, 93, it had, to, it had to be maybe 93. It was post meantime, uh, pre Betty. Um, and, uh, and then the CB show that we didn't have an album yet, out yet. That was, those were certain, um, the very early songs like impressionable, um, which was an Amrep uh, seven inch, um, can't can't remember what else is on the one song didn't have a title um and uh turned it into an intro to impressionable on um there were and we did sinatra and murder so there were songs that were going to be on strap on uh, strap it on um so yeah but we're so we're releasing those two live eps and then we have we did these all these cover songs um uh, during the recording of um dead to the world and it was kind of like we're gonna release them. Then somebody at the management office screwed up, so that set us back. A year. It was like all it's one thing after another. So now we're finding the labels like, oh, we'd like to be involved in that. We'll release those because um, I've had the artwork done. Um, they've been mixed, um, and you know, one song had, was mastered, uh, mixed by Jay Baumgartner and mastered by Howie during the uh, um, Dead to the World mixing and mastering sessions. Um, and uh so we've I've had them ready to go it's just kind of like it's i i understand i mean the music business is looking for you know instant, uh, instant hit instant gratification we put your this out like taylor swift and she gets a you know million she puts a million dollars in our pockets on day two you know and helmet yeah, that's not helmet um but it's nice to have our have a cat, you know our stuff out there to, to kind of expand the catalog because I, I feel good about the the catalog that we've built, you know over the, all these years. I'm like, Tommy, speaking of prong, Tommy Victor said to me, man, he's like, I just admire the fact that you never never were knocked off your your path. You never sold out and tried to fit in and tried to do something. He said, when we when Prong signed to our major label, he said, I thought I gotta write something that's going to be, a hit flavor of the month. And I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with the music that they did then, but Tommy, you know, Tommy was telling me, he's like, he he wasn't, um, he's not happy with, with it in retrospect. And uh, that was, that meant a lot to me that, because you, you kind of suffer in many ways if you don't have, have, you know, write big hit songs or whatever. But I'm just, I just was like, I always thought you should do something a little different with each album and, and keep it about uh, the music, you know, keep it about, um you know as i say you're expanding your your uh, vocabulary uh, musical vocabulary and your literary vocabulary and everything as you as you grow as a human being and as long as i'm physically capable capable of uh, performing these songs i'll 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 do it you know and i have more kind of more fun now than ever because we have so many songs to choose from so uh, it's a blast really fun
1: Speaking of Tommy Victor and uh, CBGBs, he we had him on the podcast, and he mentioned when he was the sound guy there, like working with you guys in the early days.
0: Yeah, he was there when we auditioned. Uh, Mike uh, from Prong, Mike Kirkland uh, was the door guy, and um, Tommy was the front of house guy. And uh, I had these, I still have them, these cool um, Marshall cabinets. They're kind of mini. It's a mini stack, of fifty watt. Um, you know, it's not a full-size Marshall stack. It's like a 4'10 and a 2'12 bottom. Um, and um, Tommy was, he was, you know, just punching the clock. And I get it. And he put the mic, you know, in, like, where there's no speaker and wood uh, next to the wood. I never gave him shit for that, actually. I might have. I might have. I, uh, but I, um, I, I moved the like, mic. Oh, yeah, the speaker's actually right here. So I moved the mic. But um, he mixed us. And he, and he and Mike were like, fuck, man. Um, they, they, they have a little book at CBGB's that, uh, on audition night, you would write notes about each band and they were like, book this band immediately. They would work well with, um, uh, cop, Shoot, cop. And I can't remember what other band they mentioned, like maybe unsane or something. Uh, cause those bands were already started. And, um, yeah, so they booked us and we played there uh, pretty much monthly. Um, and that's kind of how we got our built everything up. We got, you know, got better and, uh, built, you know, people started coming. Um, and we were always, um, with CBs and the New York scene, you know, like I think any scene, sometimes bands get a little, their ego and they get, they turn it into a marching band competition. And I never, uh, I I never saw music as a competition. I saw it as a, as a a means to sort of share, um, and be part of, as I said, this community that's, that's, that's really fortunate. You know, we are musicians and, so I just told Louise and Hilly, I'm like, yeah, put us on whenever you want. We'll go first. We don't care. And bands were, you know, arguing about who should play at midnight, which was the headline slot, and who should play at this time, and and I'm like, we don't fucking care. Put us on first. And um, the, you know, so the, the three kids that showed up at our first couple of shows, we told another three kids, who told another three kids, and before you knew it they had to put us in the headline slot and we we you know i i was really confident i, I mean i felt like because we rehearsed religiously and i felt like we were going to mop the mop the floor with any band so we'll go on with we'll play with anyone you know and uh like, it's funny john moore from tar t- said once to me uh he's a huge uh he's a huge albini fan jesus lizard fan as i as i am as well uh big black and um uh, rape man in, in any way um, and, uh, and Jesus yeah. lizard, he said, Oh man, I can't believe I, you, you guys are taking Jesus lizard out on tour. This is so hard to go on after that. And I'm like, Oh man, it's going to be amazing. I say, you know, and I, I never felt intimidated to, 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 have someone open or to open for someone ever. I don't, you know, I mean, we've been booed for, you know, at guns and roses and, and I completely understand why <laughs> guns and roses wouldn't want to hear you know uh, four minutes of feedback with uh, at the end of tick and and uh the more more they hated it the more i longer i did it so um you know i'm not we're not trying to please everybody but you cannot john stanier used to say this you you know you might not like what we do but you can't come you cannot come to our show and say we suck because we definitely don't suck You know? and I, I thought that was so funny you know like, like It's like, and I always said, hey, you know, if if you know Michael Jackson would have sold a lot more records if uh, if you know if everyone loved what he does, but apparently they don't because he only sold like a billion or whatever. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, you know, not everybody, especially with this fucking thumbs up, thumbs down shit, and every little prick has an opinion about stuff. And I'm just like, I saw. I mean, I've seen people give thumbs down to like Jocko Pistorius, and you're like,
2: (laughs) yeah, you're
0: like, what?
2: How like, is that possible?
0: <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you just fucking stupid? Or, I mean, the answer is probably yeah, you know and they probably and then they probably really suck and it's just like everybody's a fucking critic and i'm like i don't give a fuck what some punk says about my band go fuck yourself you know what i mean <laughs> we 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 have stuck to our guns for 31 years and and we're going to do it till i drop dead so it's like you know it's like and the the helmet fans um i got to say people have asked me well, why is the band been, uh, why do you think the band's been able to tour the world for so long and do this and continue. It's like, for that very reason, people know that they're, that, you know, what they see is what they get. We're going to, they're going to come to the show. We're going to play helmet songs. There's, I'm not going to suddenly come out and fucking, um, you know, lime green spandex and, and, you know, and light candles on stage and fucking strum, um, strum, uh, you know, acoustic songs, you know, I mean, I might, I might whip out one of my finger picking songs I'm learning someday. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) if I can ever get cannibal down or strutten by Jerry Reed, you know, I'd be fucking stoked. There's a drop D, there's a drop D masterpiece. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, it's just, you know, you just do what you do. And then, and some people are going to get it. Some people, I've had people also, I can't remember the name of the band, unfortunately. Um, but I had on the warp tour heard, heard a couple of great stories from bands that were, I was, I asked one guy like, well, I'm kind of in, why is that singer from Thursday? Kind of, is he a dick? I was talked to his keyboard player and he goes, uh, he goes, I'll ask him. I said, he just he's, he sees me, he avoids me, whatever. And he went up to him, and so he brought him over to our bus one night. And, and uh, he said, his name's Jeff, and he said, man, I'm so sorry. I just I'm just really intimidated. I, I love Helmet, and I just didn't know what to say to you. And, and I'm like, oh fuck. And he told me about the getting Aftertaste when it came out, and he and his buddies worked at the gas station in Jersey, and they decided to drop acid and work at work that night and play uh, play Aftertaste um, all night. And uh, one of the funniest stories ever. And he said we had we got a bad we had a bad acid trip, and um, <laughs> and after P- taste was playing in a on, a on a loop, we were like pouring gas on the you know on people's cars. It was just a disaster, but kind of kind of funny. And another guy uh, from that tour, God, I kind of can't remember the name of the band, but he was like, uh, like yeah, I remember after taste came out. And I was really I was just, I was just like, God damn it, I don't like this. I'm really disappointed. He's like, three years later, it's my favorite album ever of all time. And I go, good. So you. You you don't. It doesn't have to be immediately. I expected. I wanted. Jimmy Iveen said to me, "I expected another unsung on Betty." And I'm like, "What? Like, <laughs> why would I write the same song again? Like, I, I'm like, no. I that was cool, and I like it. And but you move on. You write something different, right? I mean,
1: yeah. That's actually. I mean, that's my favorite album of
0: yours, Aftertaste. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I I really I, uh, I love it. I I. It's it's really fun album to play and um the band actually knows uh, strap it on meantime betty and after chase they can play we can play every song on every album um but i really struggle with insatiable it's uh it's just it's so fucking hard to play and sing that weird ass henry um chorus Hen- that that chorus uh, start uh, henry and i cu- kind of wrote the chorus together i had that badass riff and um and i didn't know where to go with it henry swooped up to uh what is it the seventh fret and that was the key change i needed it's like a tritone and he played some weird ass thing only henry could play like you know left field rhythmically like brilliant but you can't you can't immediately grab onto it. You're like, what? Like, you know, it's like, you know, uh," you know, that kind of thing where it's like going against the grain three against four kind of, but not really. It was, he has such a great swing feel. And, uh, so that playing that I can lay out on the verse, like I do in unsung or or a few other songs. I used to play the verse of an unsung. Now I like just to, to kind of groove on the vocal, but, uh, um, he, uh, Uh, I still can't, it's so hard to play that because it doesn't, it's not in a regular, it's not a repeated pattern, you know what I mean? It's got that, um, you know, it's just like, fuck, it's just, so we don't, we, we, I have done it live where I just sing, you know, um, but I, 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 you know, it's, if we ever do an Aftertaste tour, which we've had a lot of requests for, um maybe in 2000 what, what would it be what, what would the 30th anniversary be 97 I'm bad at math So
1: 27 uh, yeah
0: yeah yeah exactly yes another 7 years you know? um, so <laughs> well, you um, can do it
1: in 2022 that'd be 25 years
0: <laughs> that would be- that would be cool. They did a, the Interscope without uh, even bothering to ask me. Uh, released a M- Meantime twenty fifth anniversary vinyl, which I was happy about. But I'm like, thanks for asking me. You know, um, <laughs> they just they just sort of did it. And, um, and uh, but uh, yeah, that's a fun. That's a fun record. That's a, was a great. I learned so much too because that's the first record where I truly had a co producer. Um, you know, with, with Meantime, it was me and the boys. And um, with Betty, they were like, well, you know, well, who's going to produce the record? I'm like, God, I thought I did a pretty fucking good job. We got a gold record and a Grammy nomination, and and yeah. they'll, you know, and I got fucking, you know, Tommy Lee, Nikki Sixx, and Gene Simmons fucking, you know, loving on me. It's like I think it's a pretty good record, you know, and um, uh, but they just they had that record company thing, you know. We want to we, you know, now we want to have a big hit record, and so I of course write fucking Sam Hell and. Um, henry henry comes in with fucking like uh silver hawaiian and i go yep i love it we're gonna turn this into a song and uh yeah he had like a seven minute you know meters funk jam on it i had to kind of carve it down and get it going but uh you know it really threw him for a loop but uh
1: uh yeah it's it's um it's it's funny sorry you mentioned acdc earlier and i'd read before that you're a, a pretty big fan have you heard shot in the dark yet
0: I, I heard the teaser, the, the little teaser riff. I haven't heard the um, uh, is the songs the songs released?
1: Yeah, it came out uh, oh. yesterday. Oh, I think, actually, oh. yeah.
0: Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm gonna, will write that down. I'll get it. Um, the fucking riff is amazing. I was like, are you shitting me? How the fuck? <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, and I heard what I heard is um, that uh, Malcolm had had kind of. We just hit record and had all this. This so they have this kind of backlog of Malcolm riffs. Um, and obviously it's the combination of the brothers because you know, um, Angus wrote Highway to Hell, right? And, And Malcolm wrote Back in Black. I forget, I always forget, you know, but um. Uh, which is just exciting, man. I'm just like my Danny, my other guitar player. Is like, man, I'm not gonna miss him. This he's never seen him. He said, I'm not gonna miss him this time. And I'm like, you, you can't, man. It's, I cried, man, when I saw him. You know, it was, they had it was the, the the band. You know, it was Brian Johnson. Still sounded good, and um, and uh, it was at the LA Forum, and uh, it was fucking incredible. <laughs> like, oh god, just j- absolutely joyous, joyous occasion, and just just you know i don't know man you can't it's really funny we had this kind con- i have a group of my east coast buddies and we do a house party thing uh, at least once every weekend sometimes twice um we just have cock you know cocktails and sit around and talk guitar and you know that's like i say i'll show them like look i got this um oh, i actually came up with a g major 7 arpeggio that has it that has a cool four note pattern um and then I showed me a flat seven sharp eleven pattern, and, and and we you know we'll do that, and then we'll geek out, we'll talk about stuff, and we're talking about ACDC. And uh, I I've had an experience a couple of times. One is a singer that I've worked with, who doesn't read a note of music and doesn't know anything about music. She doesn't play an instrument. She's the classic. She's got a beautiful, distinctive voice, um, but she learns songs off of records. So she does the Julie London version of Crimea River, or she does the you know a Leonard Cohen song or whatever she doesn't have any and she um so and she's the so she's the classic example of what my my uh what the Ann Richter the great uh New York session singer jazz lady who passed away used to say how do you know the singer's at the door um she can't find the key and doesn't know when to come in and uh, that's uh and that's 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 my friend Ange. I love her and she's got a beautiful gift, but she you know, and so people like that, you gotta take what they say with the grain of fall. And she she doesn't understand helmet. Her husband, who's an orchestral guy, scores movies and it's amazing, he completely gets it. And she's she thinks we're like fucking knucklehead rock or whatever. And uh and I said, Do you know TM Stevens, Ange? Like and she's like, No, I'm like bass player for pretenders, he was with James Brown, played with Miles. It's like you know what he said to me once? He came on the bus and he's like, Man, how like a big ball of ice cream? Sweet and delicious, and on the outside, and you dig in, and there's spinach inside. <laughs> and, uh, I go, I go, I- ignorant musicians, people that don't know. And I go, That's the same thing she said about ACDC. She's like, ACDC's is your favorite band? I'm like, Yeah. Like, if you don't understand magic, if you don't understand the magic of music and groove and how fucking impossible. And I mean, impossible it is to play those songs. Have you have you ever heard anyone not fucking and and just like ha- not have your butthole clench up and just go like oh, God! Like just stop, stop. <laughs> it's the, the same same thing with Zizi, you know. Like oh yeah, anybody can play that. I'm like you know what? No, you can't. I'm like don't, <laughs> please, please don't do it, you know. And it's it's you know, I mean, you can pay homage to them and play, you know, when I first moved here and got got reamed in my divorce and bought Bob Kulick, may he rest in peace, uh, was paying me a thousand bucks to sing and play these tribute albums. So I did Kiss, uh, Dr. Love. I did, uh, um, uh, fuck, Motor Breath from um, uh, Metallica. And then um, we did Rock and Roll Damnation. And I'm like, oh man, I was like, God, I need the money. But I'm like, um, I, I, Bob, I'm not going to sing it. I just can't. I mean, Bond, I just can't. Bond, you know, no, I'm like, should, should I play it? I'm like, okay, 500 bucks if I just play it. And I did. And, and I, I, I kind of regret it because it's, <laughs> it's just, just not good. It just doesn't, you just can't get that feel, that vibe, that, uh, that level of intensity, man. It's just, there's just, it's just magic, man. It's, there's something about that band that, that, uh, will, will never be matched. I mean, they're just, I mean, and and Keith Richards, I think, talked about it, you know, how fucking amazing, like, you know, because they've done big shows together, and ACDC just, they just slay you. They just fucking slay real guitar players, get it. You know, real musicians, you know, get it 100%, and it's, um, you know, thank God for them. I remember the first time I heard Highway to Hell, too, it came out in 79, and uh, I was was just started college, and um, I was in Eugene, Oregon, and there was a stereo shop. And uh, of course, they didn't have two nick- nickels to rub together, but me and my friend Clay Prosa, he said, dude, you, you got to hear, you have to fucking hear this song, man. And so we went in, you had the record, and they had those giant back in the uh, late 70s, those gigantic speakers, you know, like yeah. they're just the bigger the better. And so we go in and have one of those sliding glass doors that you can go in the room and close, you know, like you're checking stereo out to buy. Like we're going to spend, you know, at the time it was probably like, fifteen hundred dollars for this massive stereo you know and we put it on and i just i remember like every hair on the back of my neck standing up and just and like kind of sitting there dumbfounded like what is that like what how how do you sing like that is that (laughs) that's the scariest thing i've ever heard in my life it was so scary like you know in an amazing way just like fuck me man that is some (laughs) yeah oh my god it's so great it's just i don't know i've played through every song on that album just you know it just, i mean not you just would never play it in front of anybody just like oh, i gotta what's he doing here oh cool you know what's he doing here his solos that how hell soul it's 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 like jerry lee lewis it's it's pianistic i mean it's completely it's be like oh pentatonic scales uh-huh yeah did you learn the scale do you, see, do you see? Feel how he crosses the bar line? How he's playing these rhythmic little these little groovy things up high? These these double stops that are it's it's you know it's not like you know you know it's not there's no iambic fucking pentameter in there you know what I mean? It's like he's he's grooving so hard and he's playing these things that you wouldn't expect you know if you get in there and really dig into it. It's a great lesson for for anyone, man. It's it's. Uh, yeah, they're just they're fucking. I don't know, man. Just, I can't say enough about them. I, I worship, <laughs> adore them. <laughs> we were we were supposed to. Uh, I was supposed to when I was a rock star there for a couple of years. We we they were playing in uh, New Jersey, um, at the Meadowlands and uh, or the whatever that's called out there where the I think the J- New Jersey Nets played. And I got the hook up. Okay, we're gonna go and you're gonna meet them and everything. I was petrified. And then we got that call to do that tour with nine inch nails and uh, i had to fly to houston and um didn't so it never happened i never met him and i'm and still kind of to this day you know, and the t- tour was great we had a blast Thanks, Nails guys were awesome it was really fun but to this day i'm still kind of like fuck man uh it's like that was just one of those moments in your life that you know you you kind of wonder You know, we all have, we all have those, you know, I still have my Led Zeppelin ticket from 77 and my parents wouldn't let me go. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah,
1: I know. We're putting together an episode, like an Eddie Van Halen tribute episode, and we're getting musicians to, you know, speak about him if you're interested. I know you kind of did a little bit earlier, but if, if there's anything you want to say as far as like any impact he had on you personally or just, you know, favorite songs, that kind of thing.
0: Uh, ain't talking about love, you know. I, I mean, I'm the, I mean that. I just the the groove on that. It's like this fucking old time rock and roll meets modern something, you know. And it stands the test of time. I love. I mean, I love. It's so funny when we were um, working with Steve Albini over in Chicago at Chicago Recording Company. It's where we recorded um, the demo of In the Meantime, which became the master on the album because I always thought the demo was better than what we did the, uh, in New York at the studio. Then um, we did a song called Rock Messiah, and I think FBLA 2 or something like that. Um, there were a handful of recordings. Anyway, we were staying at Steve's, and we were in the, driving to the studio, and I said something about um, uh, Panama, and uh, Albini goes, I don't like bad music. And I was just like, like <laughs> excuse me? Like... What you know, and this this kind of attitude of our indie world, you know, touch and go, Amrep, um, SST, homestead, whatever that that um, something because something had had a had some kind of cock rock attitude to it that it wasn't cool because David Lee Roth wore like fringe pants. I don't know what the what people's thinking was. I always. Base my my uh, love or not love of music on the music. I'm a jazz nerd, and I didn't know what they look like on stage. I drop the needle, I listen to it, and I go, "Yay or nay." And as Duke Ellington said, there are two kinds of music: good and bad. And um, and and everyone has an opinion. Everyone, you know, like uh, anyone can think whatever they want, but people have to realize those are their own biases, and. Uh, my old drummer didn't like Hendrix, and I gave him Axis Bold as Love, and he's like, Yeah, it wasn't as bad as I thought. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, do you people don't realize that that's a shortcoming in their musical fabric? Okay. That's not the fault of Hendrix. That's not the fa- fault of Van Halen. There's no denying the brilliance. Okay. I'm sorry. J- it's just we, the first time I heard that, I I just, I, you know, it was the same thing as um, uh, ACDC where my jaw dropped and I'm like, it just had this sound, this, the, I mean, you know, I mean everything, the way the whole thing was put together, bass, drums, guitar, vocals, that was just completely different from anything that I'd ever heard before and just, and I realized right then and there, well, I'll never be able to do that, you know, like that's... (laughs) That's it's not. It wasn't one of my musical goals to become to play like Eddie. I have a different thing. That's my vocabulary. But I just said, uh, you know, even if I tried for a year and worked on that, I would just never be able to do that. It's so, so incredibly uh, fluid. You know, it's like water flowing over over moss covered stones in a river. It's this. It's beyond the guitar, right? It's music that is like, it takes you to this place. You're in this song and here's this cool groove, whatever. And, and all of a sudden this guitar comes in and it's this, it's just like, you know, I want to like describe it as a you know, pterodactyl, like a prehistoric beast or some kind of flock of birds or something like, what is that? It's not just a guitar because it's, it's, uh, it's a magical fucking amazing thing. And I, and I, I've never disparaged something like that, that I didn't, because i didn't understand it you know what i mean and i always say to musicians that's your that's a you know as i say that's a that's uh, you have a shortcoming and that's fine you know you can you can maintain your stubbornness and and not experience this joy but like i choose to experience this joy you know it's like (laughs) um so yeah fucking a man like what a what a what a dude like you know, it's just the perfect, perfect setting. A friend of mine had sent me "Hot for Teacher" um, that night when he passed, and I hadn't seen the video in about a million years. It's like maybe the greatest music, MTV music video ever made. You know, yeah. and that's such a fucking sick fucking song. I mean, just like the drum part, the fucking the whole thing. You know, the lyrics, the whole. It's just like what that was. That that was that's something else, man. That was a that's a. That's a great loss. It's just, it's just sad. You know, I never got to see him. It's my fault. It's completely my fault. I, I miss Johnny Cash. I miss John Lee Hooker. I miss, I missed Van Halen. Um, and it's my fault completely. I miss Led Zeppelin. It's not my fault, but
1: <laughs> right. you know. All right, man. We definitely appreciate you taking the time with us today.
0: Uh, yeah, you guys. Thank you, man. It was fun. Um, uh, Trent and Jason, right? Absolutely. Cool, cool, man. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks so much, and stay safe out there. All right.
1: You do the same. There you go. Paige Hamilton of Helmet. A huge thank you to Brian of Main Road Management. And a massive thank you to Paige Hamilton for taking some time out there to talk to us about all kinds of great stuff. Can't wait to see what Helmet has coming in the future. If you like what you heard there about the Van Halen part of that, that's that part of this episode is also included on our Van Halen episode that came out. A few weeks ago, the Eddie Van Halen tribute episode, and it also includes 13 other past guests besides Paige Hamilton, like members of Tesla, the Devil Driver, Michael Schenker Fest, a long list, Motor Sister, Mitch Perry. So dig back through and check that one out. That's episode 292. We've also had episodes with guys like Tommy Victor of Prong. Alan Robert of Life of Agony has been on here twice. Yes. Kenny Hickey of Typo Negative has been on here. We've had on Jimmy Bauer of Superjoint, I Hate God, Down. We've had on Kirk Winstein of Down, and of course, Crowbar. We've had on Steven Taylor of Superjoint and Phil Anselmo's solo band, The Illegals. We've also had on guys from bands like Guns N' Roses and Kiss, if you ever heard of either of those, right? Yeah. Bands like Megadeth, Testament, Death Angel, Avatar, Seven Dust, Def Leppard. A huge long list. So if you dig through everything, you can check us out at TheThunderUnderground.com You can listen to the podcast there. You can also see all our socials on there, so click on them all. Give us a like or a follow. Get us on YouTube. Subscribe at TheThunderUnderground. We've got a lot of Videos on there that are separate from the podcast, and just now, like this week, probably like today, we've got a brand new video about the new Dark Tranquility album that comes out this Friday, and we'll have one in the next few days about Hate Breeds new album that comes out next Friday, the 27th. We've also had recent videos on Metallica and Alter Bridge, Havoc, Toxic Holocaust, a few other bands. So, dig back through all that stuff as well. You can check us out pretty much anywhere podcast or heard. Anywhere you see us, follow us, like us, share us, all that great stuff helps out. And we greatly appreciate it. Coming up on this podcast, later this week, we're going to have an episode with Mike Spritzer of Devil Driver. Next week, our Milestone 300 episode will be with Severmind. And then we've got. Episodes forthcoming with Mitch Perry, Eric the Trainer, was something we recently recorded. Mike Mostert and Tony Cavino from In Theory. And just this past week, we recorded one with Matthew Nelson of Nelson, which was very cool. I know if you're a Helmet fan, you might be thinking, what the fuck, but I promise you it's a fun one. (laughs) We've also got forthcoming ones with Reb Beach of Winger, John Karabi of course formerly motley Crue and the dead daisies and a ton of other great stuff union yeah the scream right we've got one with michael from dark tranquility coming up a few others that i'm forgetting so be on the lookout for all that great stuff we're pretty much stacked through the year yeah one of those episodes next month will be the best of 2020 you'll be like the best of 2020 yeah there's good things that happen this year mostly new music Right. So we'll talk about that and say, is there something good that happened in 2020? Yeah, it's these albums. So be looking out for that as well. All right. I think that covers it for another one. Once again, a huge thank you to Main Road Management and Paige Hamilton, DEB Concerts, Sunset Tattoo, Med Farm, and Hell Hot Hot Sauce. And until next time, Thunder Underground, y'all.